If you want Colts talk all year long, you're in the right place. Fires upfield into the end zone. It is caught. Jelani Woods. Touchdown. He's going to fire upfield. It's broken up. Tip and intercepted by the Colts. This is the official Colts podcast, giving you an updated look at what's new with the horseshoes. Colts have it. Interception. Two seconds left. And the Colts are going to win. In the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio, let's get the podcast started. Greetings, salutations. What's up today? No dad jokes. We got a lot to talk about. We're no just going to dive straight in. I know everybody's disappointed. Everybody's let down about the levity at the beginning of the show, but we are down to business. Welcome inside, everybody. This is the official Colts podcast on a Thursday. You've got the Thursday crew here. I'm Matt Taylor. Good to be with you. Bill Brooks, Casey Valier. We're brought to you by Win Las Vegas. It is a there's a lot of meat on the bone. Let's just put it that way this week. It's week seven. How in the world is it mid-October already? But that's where we're at with the Colts taking on the Cleveland Browns coming up this Sunday at Lucas Oil Stadium. There's a lot of off-the-field stuff to get into, so let's just dive right in here, boys. Today we're going to talk about the Anthony Richardson situation. We're going to talk about the Grover Stewart situation. The Browns have the best defense in the last 50 years. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a lot to contend with, boys. As my cousin Vinny, as uh, Vincent Gambini said, there's a lot on our plate today. All right? There's a lot hinging on the outcome of this particular case, if you're a movie buff there. Fellas, Anthony Richardson, Bill, that's, uh, that's what we're going to lead off with here. We know his season is over. The Colts and, and AR opting for season ending surgery we all agree that's the right call but it's it it doesn't make it less of a drag if you will that a guy that only played 13 games at college at florida and the sec is only going to play four games in his rookie season here with the indianapolis colts on the colts i should say on the stink meter where where does this rank for the um the reality of where the colts are at with their rookie quarterback for me the stink meter is very high yeah pretty pretty stingy yeah pretty pretty high you know i was uh no, sad to see the young man get hurt, but I think in regards to what we saw out there, we saw how good he could be mm-hmm. and the progress he was making. And I think, personally, he probably was ahead of schedule, what we thought he was going to be at this time. And we were excited about what could be later on this season as, he's, as he continued to progress. And unfortunately, with the injury, we're just going to have to wait till next year to see what happens. And hopefully, everything goes okay with the procedure. Yeah, I'm right there with Bill. I mean, it's definitely high because of all that we just talked about. I mean, Mm -hmm. one word that I keep coming back to is electric, and that's what he was on the field. I mean, I think about that Rams game. I mean, the second half, you just kind of kept turning to whoever was near you and going, are you serious? Like, this guy single-handedly is like just re-energizing Every player on the team, the staff, he was able to just figure out ways to make things work when it wasn't working in the first half. And and that was kind of those are the strides and those were the things that it that's where the stink meter is so high because you won't see that anymore out of him. I think, as you mentioned at the top, this is a decision that is probably the best decision. It's the smartest way because you have to think about, yes, you want to win now, but it's also Mm -hmm. you draft a guy fourth overall to be your long-term answer, so you have to think about the futures too. So it, it does stink, but it's also I'm glad that this is the route we're going and that, you know, optimistically we all feel like he should be able to be ready to go by the off-season program of next year, which is a good sign. You know, and some are going to say, well, the Colts are right back to, to where they were, and Richardson is right back to where he was 
at the beginning of this season, or at least back in April, with all this inexperience and not having uh, run and, and game experience. And to that, I'll say, yeah, but look, if, if you're looking at the strides that Richardson made right. from yes. the spring until that second half comeback against the Rams that you're alluding to, I mean, it's he's light years ahead yeah. of, of where he was, I think, in, in, in the fall of 2022, certainly at the beginning of, of the spring workout program when the Colts selected him fourth overall. The beauty of all of this is that it's not like he just goes away. It's exactly. not like he just goes back to Gainesville right. and exactly. plays Xbox for right. two and a half months. <laughs> I mean, he's still going to be in the building, the building. Yep. and he's going to be game planning, helping Gardner Minshew, and he's still going to be going through the weekly routine and the weekly battles of getting ready for these games. And I think Shane Steichen hit it right on the head, and, and Richardson's going to have to spend the next 13 games, or the next 11 games, I should say, um, here in the regular season getting ready for these opponents as if mentally he was the starting quarterback for this team. Exactly, and that's that's the experience he is going to get. He's going to get a lot more classroom experience, let's say, because he's going to be in the classroom. He's going to be watching film. He's going to be helping with the game plan. He's going to be doing all those things. He's going to take the mental reps that he needs to take out there in the practice field. He won't be actually doing it physically, but the mental reps, seeing things out there, seeing the defenses, and trying to dissect the defense. Okay, when we have this play, this is what we're going to do. So those things hopefully will go a long way, and he'll keep that in his memory bank. So when it comes time for him to get back on the field next year, he'll have that in his memory, and he can call on that when it needed to be. And we talked about those strides. Question for both of you. In, in what ways were you impressed by Richardson this year, and in what ways were you surprised in a good way of how ahead of schedule he was after only four games? It's something. It's a term we've heard a lot, and I don't want to just continue to just go to what everybody is saying, kind of that memory bank. But the poise. I mean, it. It. The moment never looked too big, and that was kind of. I mean, I didn't. I didn't know Anthony Richardson at all before the Colts selected him. You know, you see highlights, you see all of this, but the big thing you hear is the lack of experience. So I thought, in a way, when he got here. The moment early on I thought might be maybe not too big, but it might be a little overwhelming. And I don't Mm -hmm. think that ever really hit. It was almost like when the moment got tougher, he was almost like even cooler under pressure than I anticipated him being. And that was the biggest thing for me because I think that is confidence – it just pours out all over a team. When you look at a guy and you see confidence, you're like, man, I can, I can be behind this leader. I can, I can go as he goes. And I feel like the team saw in those moments where a lot of guys might not necessarily fold, but it might, you know, it might be a moment that's, that's hard to overcome. He looked like he was, you know, pretty poised and pretty confident in that. And I think it, it, it bleeds over. So I think just that little bit, it, it really encapsulates everybody in the team. And I think they can all gravitate towards that. So that was, was my biggest thing like we knew that the completion percentage was going to be something we're going to be watching we knew you know that the speed of the play was going to be much different so there's going to be learning curves there but just how confident and poised Mm -hmm. he was 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 my biggest takeaway i'm going to wrap up everything you said and paraphrase it down to one sentence no deer in the headlight looks yeah for Anthony right. Richardson. That's the bottom line. I just gave you the elevator pitch. Right? <laughs> exactly. But it's exactly right. I mean, I think, you know, you watch him in practice, you watch him in training camp and, and the early part of, of this season in these games. I mean, rarely did he force the ball. Rarely did he not know where to go with the football. The accuracy is going to come, right? He still missed some throws mm-hmm. that he's going to make, I think, with time and, and with, with growth. And you, you want to see that for, for next season. There's no doubt about that. But I, I think the trust 
And I think the confidence within this team, with him being able to just manage all that comes yeah. with playing quarterback in the NFL, this guy's got it. And we just kind of spent three or four minutes describing what it is. Man, <laughs> Anthony Richardson. He's got it. He's got it. And that's what, that's what I think makes Bill this week so hard to deal with because, you know, as a play-by-play guy, that first quarter in Houston – like, I was on fire. <laughs> Not because I was any good, but I right. just mean, like, I was on the edge of my seat watching him play football and taking those runs off off edge and out of the pocket and making things happen. Like, we had never seen a, a Colts quarterback be able to do that. And I know Shane Steichen said that he's trending towards, you know, the timeline on this, the, the loose timeline as we're in the infancy of all of this, is that he's going to be back in time uh, for the offseason workout program, should be back, ready to go by the spring. But, man, that's... That is forever, it seems like, between <laughs> now and then. I know we're going to get there eventually, but just his, his trajectory is going to make this weight just excruciating because of everything he can be for the Colts. I agree. I mean, it's going to be tough. I mean, as Casey alluded to it before, to me, it's the poise. It's just the poise of the young man. I mean, yeah. you look at that L.A. game, game, we're down 23 to nothing in the third quarter, and yeah. he just comes, bring, helps bring the team yeah. back. And as you said, Case, it doesn't seem too big for him. And he just goes out there. He's very calm. He doesn't panic. He just goes out there and plays and does his job. And then when you're doing that, the rest of the guys see your confidence and they have confidence in you and confidence in what's going to happen. So I think his poise to me was way, way above what I ever thought he was going to have coming here in the NFL. And this might sound really basic, but one of the things that Matt talked about, he was so fun to watch. Yeah. Yes. And that's the thing. Yes. Like it was whatever you want to call it, it was appointment TV, you know, <laughs> if you will. Like I was so excited to continue to watch every play because like Matt said, you just didn't know what to expect because he was doing things that, yes, we've seen great quarterback play here, but the way he plays quarterback is just different. So we had just never seen it. So it was just – it was a lot of fun to watch, and it is a bummer. Like, yeah. don't get me wrong. It's a bummer. I'm glad that, you know, looking at the long term, this is probably the best move, but it's definitely a bummer for yeah. sure. Casey Vallier, Bill Brooks, I'm Matt Taylor. We're kind of producing the show on the fly here. We'll, we'll discuss that more in just a second. <laughs> also, Zaire Franklin is coming up later on in this podcast. The leading tackler in the NFL is going to join us to talk about the bummer of that, the bummer of Grover Stewart, which we're going to get into, uh, and also getting ready for the Cleveland Browns, trying to slow down the rush. The Browns boast the fourth best rushing attack in the NFL. Before we get into all of that, let's go to a segment we're calling Who Said It? Bill Brooks, Casey Valle. I'm going to play you guys some sound bites from the locker room or some press conferences earlier this week. Identify uh, the speaker, and then let's talk about the content. Why is it important going forward, and how does it relate to Sunday's game against the Cleveland Browns? Here, all right. Sound bite number one. I'm playing these off my phone. Hopefully, I don't like play an old like voicemail for my mom, <laughs> wishing me a happy birthday here. Or something. So let's give it a shot. Here's sound bite number one. We'll cross that bridge uh, next year uh, when we get there. Um, but again, one of the things that makes them really good is a runner. You know, and a lot of those guys around the league that run and make plays. That's you know what helps your offense. Um, but we'll. we'll cross that bridge when we get there. All right, I know you got this. Yes. I know you got this. That's the head guy, right? That's the head coach, Shane Steichen, and talking about... Polarizing topic right now, considering yes. where we're at with, uh, with yes. Anthony Richardson. Yes, and talk about how they are going to use Anthony Richardson in the future, or are they going to change how they use Anthony Richardson yeah. in the future? And one of the things you, you we've all alluded to in the past is that, you know what, you drafted him fourth overall. You drafted him to use his gifts, and one of his gifts is 
running the football. Yeah. So they're going to have to figure out a way and balance balance it where they do run him, but make sure that he's safe and make sure that he's not putting himself putting himself in harm's way. And you need to do that because that's the excitement that he brings to this offense, and that's the thing that makes defenses worry about you know what how are we going to stop Anthony Richardson if he can run and then also if we have Jonathan Taylor in the backfield no doubt the running backs in the backfield and also how you know Anthony throws the ball as well so those are things that they're going to have to balance work out throughout the offseason and talk about amongst the coaches and uh, figure out how they are going to use him next year Casey Bill's exactly right if you're not going to use Anthony Richardson to the to to why you drafted him fourth overall you should have drafted Tanner McKee out of Stanford no absolutely you should have drafted a pocket passer and and that's the thing like there's there's a fine line between a guy who just runs the football yeah and Anthony Richardson because that's not what he is like he has these abilities but I think that's one of the things that when we talk about that growth we saw to this point I think from a passing standpoint he is further along than where maybe we anticipated him Agreed. being. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when I look around the league, I mean, that's kind of the way the NFL is going. I mean, you've got a lot more mobile guys. And I think there's there's a there's an area in between where he can live. Like I look at, you know, I look at that's, the guys that's like, third down. That's red zone. Right. Like I look be at, selective. I look at what yes. Dak Prescott did on Monday Night Football. Dak's not a guy who's going to go out and run a whole bunch. But you know what? When he needs to, he can. Now, I think Anthony's probably a little bit more of the, the, the runner than what Dak is. But mm-hmm. I think that style of play is something that when the Colts look at Anthony Richardson, they say, we can get that type of quarterback play, maybe a little bit more of the, the run you know, mentality a little bit more. But that's the way the NFL is going. So you don't want to hamper that at all. If you look at the math, and, and I know we're, we're getting in the weeds here, but quickly, 173 snaps in four games for Anthony Richardson on the season. He had 25 carries. If you do the math on that, that's a carry one out of every six snaps. Okay, that that's probably a little bit high going forward. And, you know, the injuries happen outside of the pocket on some direct runs. So the thing is, going forward, it's like I just said, be selective. You don't want to take that away from Anthony Richardson. And you certainly don't want to take that away from a threat of the offense and what it does to the defense, to your point. If you're looking at Sunday's game, you know, Miles Garrett, if – if you put just a shadow of a doubt in a player like Miles Garrett's head, right. slows, on, him down a slows him down just a tick, that means everything for yep. the offense. So just because you're not running 10 times per game with Anthony Richardson, the threat of him being able to run at all is huge for the, for the offense and what it does to the defense in terms of their game planning and just makes them pause just a half second or a fraction of a second throughout the course of a game. So again, I think it might be – it might not be one out of every six plays he's running the football going forward, Bill, but you still have to be selective and incorporate that into the offense going forward. And again, to me, it's, it's third down, it's red zone. When the game's on the line, when you have to have plays you know, for points or plays to extend drives, that's when you have Anthony Richardson have the football in his hands. And going forward, yeah, he's got be, to be better about protecting his body, and that comes with more just, again, as you like to say, and make fun of me, time on task. <laughs> That's fine. I get it. Yeah. No. It just comes with experience. That's yeah. The bottom line it comes with experience. But as you said, Matt, I think he would be great, or he is great in the red zone. You know, it puts yeah. defenses like, hey, look, this is what we have to stop. We have to stop the tight ends. We have to look at the, the wide receivers and what they're trying to do here. But, oh, we forgot about the running the quarterback who can run a quarterback draw, go up the middle, yeah, run maybe. the ball, or – around the end like he did in Houston, run that play around right. the end. So, I mean, 
him being a threat to run the ball is a big asset for the offense. The next guy cut you off there. I, oh, I know. I know here. he did. I, All right, I let's know. go to uh, our next who said it inside the locker room here. Yeah, I mean, Big Grove, man, you know, it's just, you know, he's a great person, great human. You know, I know he would never, ever do anything to, you know, try to cheat the game or anything like that. He, he, he He's nothing like that. But um, just an unfortunate situation that he's in. Um, um, definitely going to hurt not having him out there. You know, I've said it plenty of times, you know, with him and uh, uh, Buck have been to not only my success, but to the teams. Um, so he'll definitely be sorely missed. But we got some young guys that's coming up and some, some vets there that's you know that's willing to take over that opportunity. You know who that is. Oh, yeah. That's, you can't mistake those toes. Cannot, I no. mean, <laughs> one, one of the best sound bites you're going to get in the locker rooms. I hear one of our favorites. And talking about Grover Stewart, I mean, it's – it's an unfortunate loss. I mean, it, there's there's a lot to it. You look at it from a football perspective, and it's a really big loss yes. on the field. But Grover is a guy that you go in that locker room. I mean, Grover is probably in the top three or four most liked. And I mean, everybody loves Grover Stewart. And I, I loved what Zaire said. It, it wasn't him trying to you know take advantage or cheat the game. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I think what Grover said on his Instagram, that, that he was shocked, he didn't like, – I think, honestly, it was just an honest mistake. And you look at it, too. You know, Casey talked about him being a top five well-liked guy. He's also, in my opinion, a top five guy that's just indispensable. Oh, 100%. For, for, I mean, it, it's hard to replace, yeah. like hard to replace the production, the body type, and the, the type of player that Grover Stewart has turned into. So now it's next man up, Bill. How much confidence do you have in guys like Taven Bryan and Eric Johnson and whether that's Daiwa Dangbo or Tyquan Lewis that can potentially slide in the middle of that defense? Well, I think it's going to take a, a group of individuals to try to replace Grove in there because, yeah. you know, replacing Grove is very difficult to do. And all these guys are good, don't get me wrong, but they're not Grover Stewart. You know, Grover Stewart takes up a lot of space in the middle. He helps, yeah. he helps in that run game as, as far as stopping the opponent's running game, just taking up space out there, being big, being physical, helping the the linebackers out behind them to keep those guys from on the offensive line going up to that next level trying to block those guys. So they're going to miss Grove, and it hurts a lot uh, having Grove not being able to be here for six games. It's one of those things, too. You look at the success that DeForest Buckner has had, and that is the challenge that offensive lines typically have to deal with when it's like, in the run game, who do you double team, whether it's Grover or Buck? Because one of them, they're going to – that's why they're the top – I think they're the best defensive tackle duo in the NFL. So when you take Grover out of that scenario – We already saw what happens when you take one of those exactly. guys out of the equation saw, against the Rams. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Buckner exactly. was, was limited, out. and, and, and yeah. that's, that's going to make – that's, for me, the biggest challenge is what does this do now for DeForest Buckner, and can these other like guys, Eric Johnson – can Taven Bryan, if Adetamawa Adabare, you know, gets a little bit more run as a rookie, yep. and then you talked about Dio and Taekwon, there's there's big shoes, and I think it's got to be filled by the collective. I don't think it's going to be just say. one guy because it's yeah. it's hard to fill those yep. shoes. All right, let's go back to the phone. Who said it? Number three. Let's give it a shot here. Like you mentioned, just having a veteran like that, um, probably part of the reason why, um, you know, we brought him in the building. Just a guy he knows the system, um, being able to really, really dissect different things, different schemes, and being able to put us in a, in a good position. I mean, you guys see, he extends plays as well. Um, Gardner is able to extend plays. He's able to make stuff happen. I know you guys have always heard the term, you know, Minshew magic. So uh, just being able 
uh, to attack that every day. That doesn't just happen. You know, they call it Minshew magic, but it's because he prepares. He prepares like a true professional, and that's why he's able to do what he can on the field. All right, we all know who that is, right? Yeah. Come on now. That's, that's JT. That's a crowd of reporters <laughs> at that locker room. Yes, it is. With uh, yes. Jonathan Taylor. And the context is, is Jonathan Taylor talking about what Gardner Minshew brings to the offense. Let's talk about what Jonathan Taylor brings to Gardner Minshew because we know we just got done talking about the threat of Anthony Richardson. Well, now the running game is very much dependent upon the running backs, Zach Moss and Jonathan Taylor when Gardner Minshew is playing quarterback. Last week, though, uh, the, the running game was tough. Taylor and Moss, they combined for just 40 yards on 15 carries. Bill, how, how different does this running game look the rest of the year here with Minshew at quarterback? And how much do you think the Colts are going to see that front that Jacksonville presented last week to the Colts that, that gave them so much trouble really in two games this year. Well, it's going to be it's a diff- copycat league. Yeah, it's going to be different in the sense that what we kind of expected for our run, for the running game to look like with Anthony Richardson there, right. Anthony Richardson in there, and JT in there, as well as Zach Moss at times. So it's going to be different with Gardner back there, and they're going to have to do some things different. Gardner's not Anthony Richardson. We all know that. So the running game might be a little bit more conventional than what it has been in the past. Uh, Watch well, this, the past, if Anthony Richardson was in there. Sure. So it might be a little bit different, and you know what? I, I, I think they will find ways to get the running game going, um, but as you said, the there are going to be other teams that do what Jacksonville did last week as far as play their base defense, try to stop the run, make sure, hey, we're going to put pressure on Gardner Minshew to go out there and complete passes. Take away that and, interior yes, running game. Yes, okay, take, mm-hmm. care, take away the interior running game, mm-hmm. but make you try to throw outside. Okay, throw the ball outside. So hopefully, you know, we don't think you can throw the ball outside. So we're going, to actually, we're going to dare you to do it. And if you can do it, then we'll change. But then that's when the running game comes in, and hopefully the Colts can run the ball then. But they're going to have to get these teams out of that base package, so to speak, and having eight men in the box kind of yeah. to take away the running game. And we'll talk about that, Casey, but that's all the Browns want to do. Yep, That's all the Browns want to do is put pressure on the outside and man coverage. Yeah, It's yep. one of those things, too, that I, I'm anxious to kind of see because the last couple years, it's kind of been a lot of that. You know, the Colts offenses have kind of dealt with that because of, we talk about the quarterback carousel that it has been here. I mean, I go back to when Jonathan Taylor ran for 1,800 yards there in 2021. A lot of that was, you know, really heavy boxes. So I'll be anxious to kind of see it puts a lot of pressure on the offensive line I mean this is going to really test those guys to see can you create lanes and it's it's going to be imperative on on those guys being up to the task but also you know yeah. Zach Moss and Jonathan Taylor you know kind of doing something a little different than it so it, it, it's a big task and that, that is one of the things that I, I like that Shane Steichen in his offensive mind. He's he's a pretty pretty smart guy. I have a pretty feeling creative. he's got a way that he's going to try to tweak to make defenses you know play a little bit more differently than what we saw last week. But it's definitely something we're going to have to see in progress. All right, in two games against the Jaguars this year, the Colts averaged 54 rushing yards per game against everybody else. Not. Wearing a Jacksonville uniform, <laughs> they averaged 147 Man. rushing yards per game. So that, that front's going to be there. Long story short, that front is going to be there. The Colts have to get creative with Taylor, Moss, and that offensive line to generate runs yep. to open up the passing game, to not put uh, so much pressure on Gardner Minshew, throwing the ball 55 times a game, oh, yeah. which is what he did last Sunday. All right, one final more, or one more, I should say, on uh, who said it here. They don't do a whole lot um, schematically on defense. They're, they have extreme talent and they let that extreme talent work they're gonna um, they're gonna line up and they're gonna rush the passer 
and they're going to play man coverage and they're going to say, all right, well, we don't think you're going to have enough time to, to throw versus man or we don't think that you can beat us versus man. Um, you can't get the ball out. And they've, they've done a good job so far, so they've been really successful. They have great pass rushers. Linebackers are flying around. They're really good on the back end. So they're a solid defense all the way around. You got this one? That's a little tricky. A little tricky, but it's just... I think I can get that. All right, one. all right. What you got? The guy from Texas, <laughs> Sam. <laughs> Sam. You're hearing voices Sam. from last year. I like it. Yeah, Sam. Yeah, Sam. Talking about the Browns' defense and how good they are. They are a good. And defense. Why they're so good? They yes. Yeah. Why they they just put pressure on you. They come after you. They're coming after the quarterback every single time. And that's you know that's Coach Swartz. That's what he does. Their defensive coordinator over in Cleveland. He's yeah. going to come after you and he's going to say, Hey, look. You know what? We're going to get to you before you can get the ball out of there. And if you do, then what? You know what? I have faith in the guys outside that can play man-to-man defense no and hopefully, you know, interrupt, uh, disrupt the the passes, mm-hmm. knock the passes down, get some interceptions. But they're a good defense. They're almost leading in every category. There's a couple of categories they they're not leading, but. For the most part, they are leading in almost every category from a defensive standpoint. And the the, the crazy part of it, the the categories they're not leading in are takeaways. Yes, and that's what shocking. you know. A lot of times when you, you talk about four. how good of a defense is, it's yeah. you know they're getting pressure on the quarterback that's forcing you know takeaways, and it's just. They are a team that is forcing teams to punt at an incredible rate. <laughs> 37 they're, punts they're forced. Three and outs are – it's almost, almost – 40%. Almost, yes. yeah, 40%. I mean, everything about this defense is how you would draw it up. You're a defensive coordinator, and you want to look and, hey, this is what we want our defense to be through five weeks – Every bit of it is what the Browns are doing, except for the takeaways. So it's which makes be, it even more impressive, right? Which that's that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like, exactly. That's the most impressive part about all of this is they're near the bottom in takeaways, yet their defense is still atop of almost every category. Another thing that's really impressive about their defense from a statistical standpoint is you talked about the the lack of turnovers. They also have uh, they're giving up 15 points per game. But their offense has turned it over 12 times, yeah. which I think is 30th. So half of their points allowed have come off of offensive turnovers. <laughs> so if the offense helps the defense, the defense is even better, I think, historically in yes. terms of the, the point total. Oh, yes. It's amazing. Definitely. definitely. I, mean, I agree with you. Amazing defense. They've got uh, the secondary might be the best in the NFL, oh, yeah. to your guys' point. Zadarius Smith is there. they got Obo Okoronkwu, who we saw with the Houston Texans yep. the last couple of years. So now they've got guys up front where teams can't double Miles Garrett on a consistent basis, exactly. which which makes that pass rush so difficult to contend with. But we're going to talk about it. It's a big game for the wide receivers for the Colts to win on the outside to, to get that ball out fast from Gardner Minshew. To close out the podcast, boys, it feels this might be a bad metaphor, but it feels like the Colts' shoe has come untied a little bit. Like it was really, you know, after that Tennessee game, everything was nice and tight, and you, you know, you could feel like you could do a bunch of uh, agilities. You could, you know, run some lines back and forth. You know, Bill, you know what I'm talking about back in the day. You had <laughs> yes. those shoelaces, those cleats laced up pretty good. But it just feels like, right, the Jacksonville loss. Uh, the Anthony Richardson news. Now you've got the Grover Stewart news. Kind of feels like the shoe has come untied a little bit. There's 11 games to go. No uh, need to take that shoe off. No. But just let's just relace that bad boy. Let's just get that thing back on nice and tight. So give me, how would you retie this shoe or your keys to the game for the Colts to bounce back and get a huge win against the Cleveland Browns, who, like we, we talked about, boast 
a historic defense, at least through five games here? Well, as, as a team, first of all, you're going to have to come together because of the things that have happened with the team thus far this week with Grover Stewart and the, the news about Anthony Richardson. Yeah. Come together as a team, first of all. And then from an actually schematic standpoint out there on the football field, I would say from an offensive standpoint, they need to make sure they run the ball. We have to run the ball and have to be successful in the red zone. Yep. Get ahead of the Cleveland Browns. As good as they are on defense, they're not as good on offense as far as scoring points and moving the ball down the field and, and, and I said, scoring points. So hopefully you get ahead of them, make them play from behind and play catch up. And from a, a defensive standpoint, just hopefully make, make sure that you could get some turnovers. Get some turnovers on Cleveland Browns, get the ball back to your offense, and hopefully the offense – They'll give it to you. Yeah, and hopefully yeah. the offense can be successful and, and – in the red zone and score some points. And, and that's how your loafers over there. My, my, they need tied. I just tied? tighten them up a little bit. But no, I, I think for me, and it starts defensively because I think we we've talked about how good the Browns' defense is. So offensively, they've got they've got a lot on their plate. So I think defensively. This is the game where the defense has to step up and really show their will, show who they are, and and that starts with. You talk about how three phases win a football game. I think special teams and defense are key. I think making sure that you're not allowing short fields offensively for the for for the Browns' offense, and defensively making them, you know. Keep them behind the chains. Force them into those turnover-type plays so that you're putting your offense yeah. in short fields. I think that's the and key. And make them go the long way on right. the field. Right. Make, field them go, make them Punts go. Punts are so much better yes. than interceptions. Field position, I think field position <laughs> in this game is going to be so important. Like yeah. We mentioned it last week, how time I, – I said time of possession. The Colts win time of possession. I also said the turnovers. I think they win. The Colts won time of possession. It was just they gave the Jags so many opportunities with the turnovers. I think if you can limit – that field position for me in this one is so big because we talk about how great the the Browns defense is that offense they haven't quite hit that stride yet they've got some playmakers on their team don't get me wrong Mm -hmm. but they aren't they aren't really connecting on all cylinders so if you continue to put them in tough spots I think that's where you're really going to see the opportunity to be in the game late I mean it's really hard to win a football game with 233 yards of offense and 17 first downs and score 37 points, but that's exactly what the Jacksonville exactly. Jaguars did last week yep. because of turnovers oh, yes. and short fields. And obviously you had the strip fumble that was recovered and you know the short field after that. I mean, the Colts did a lot of things well last Sunday that got masked with those right. four turnovers. So you've got to be good in, in that regard. But to me, I want to go back to what we talked about earlier. You know, Sam Ellinger, I thought when we talked about it on Who Said It, I thought he hit the nail right in the head. I mean, they are so good in terms of their rush and their cover, and they are harmonious in that regard. They've got guys now that they can complement Miles Garrett. They've got two elite corners. Their secondary might be the best in the NFL. They've got Juan Thornhill, who comes over from the Kansas City Chiefs in the back end. There are no weak links within this defense, but you've got to win on the outside. You know, they're great at at being able to get home before you can get the ball out. And that's where the receivers got to get open. And with that, it's tough to get free release against press man. So I think the Colts, you know, Rick Venturi talked about uh, this week on, on inside football, maybe take a page out of the uh, Rams playbook stacks, bunches, Bunches. go in motion, motion, kind of scheme up a free release. I mean, you can talk about it as a former wide receiver. If you can, 
get off the ball cleanly some way, somehow, some form or fashion, whether it's your God-given abilities or schematically, that makes all the difference for a quarterback to have just a little bit of a window to get rid of the football. Oh, it definitely does. I mean, once you get off the line of scrimmage, you can get into your route, of course, yeah. a lot quicker and a lot faster without someone impeding you getting into your route. So right. what helps that is to, to, to do that is, as you said, as Rick said, Bunches and stacks because they can't play at the line of scrimmage right a bunch of stacks because they might get rubbed. I won't say pick. They will get rubbed. <laughs> <laughs> They'll get rubbed and, and it makes a free release for somebody coming wide open. So um, those are things that you might have to do. But they have to find a way to create some separation and yeah. for the coach to be able to throw the ball outside of the numbers and also just to get the ball out quick. No doubt about it. It's going to be an interesting game. Could be a low scoring game. Yeah. Could be a fast game with two great defenses. You might see a lot of running the football. You might see some punts. But hopefully the Colts can make some more plays on third down in the red zone and take better care of the football this Sunday than they did last Sunday. A big bounce-back performance might be in store here for the Colts. First of two back-to-back home games closing out the month of October. you got the Browns on Sunday, then the Saints a week from Sunday to close it all out. And uh, we're here for it, boys. You're on the pregame show. Yes. Joe Wrights, Bill Brooks, Jeffrey Gorman, JMV, uh, 10 to noon on the Colts pregame huddle on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Case Meister is the host of Countdown to Kickoff beginning at noon on the Bell Tire Radio Network. And then myself, Rick Venturi, and Lara Overton, we got all the play-by-play for you beginning at 1. Colts and Browns, let's go. Let's 11 go. games <laughs> left. Yep. I know the news this week here was kind of up and down, a little choppy, kind of rocky, but 11 games left. A lot of football. A lot of football to be played, Locked. and we need you locked and loaded every single Thursday. And we uh, will come back next Thursday breaking down Colts and Saints, but Colts and Browns on Sunday. We'll talk to you next week. This is the Thursday Crew on the official Colts podcast brought to you by Win Las Vegas. Until next Thursday, so long, everybody.